There are times when you have conversations that you just know are God-ordained, where there is a connectivity to storyline, there is a connectivity to spirit, there is a connectivity to revelation, and today's conversation with Peter O. Estevez was exactly that. We have the love of the Latino community. He's actually Mexican. I just bore Mexican children since my hubby is half Mexican. And he has a storyline, actually, one of pain connected to that. And now he serves from a place of philanthropy, from a place of empathy, from a place of desired change, not only the Latino community, but also every single person within humanity around advocating for recovery, mental health, Uh, abuse, uh, struggle, uh, greed, freedom, fame, all of the things that are secularly sometimes normalized and also uh, criticized. They're criminalized and uh, they take us to a place of shame, guilt, and trauma. And y'all know from my own book, if you haven't yet read it, Always Becoming, Sex, Shame, and Love. It newly came out on Audible, so I'd love for you to listen. It's my voice and my energy, and so it brings life to the words in a new way. But Peter and I are in cahoots when it comes to being able to take personal development and allow it to free us in order to serve others through the lens of the one true agape love. So you guys, please tag Peter Check out everything he has going on on social media and be sure to tune in to his show and his upcoming event with my favorite Tim Story and his new book coming out from Lies to Riches in January in parallel to that conference. So tag us, review here, and I would be so honored to share your review on the show in the upcoming weeks. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for being a part of the Fit and Faith community. Welcome to the Fit and Faith podcast. FIT is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie-cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted, no matter how far, wide, Deep or high, the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Hola, hola. hola, I'm not sorry. <laughs> you guys, I'm so excited to introduce you to Piero Estevez, who is not only an incredible entrepreneur and philanthropist, he is an author of an upcoming book, From Lies to Riches. Um, but one of my favorite things about him is he is a fellow Mexicana, and he also is an incredible advocate for recovery and mental health, all of which, if you've been following the Fit and Faith podcast, our conversations we have here on the regular. And so I am honored to share this space with you today, Peter. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for allowing me to come into your space and and and, uh, and share my story. 
Yeah. And, and that's honestly how I first got connected to you as we were listening to Clubhouse or I was listening, you were sharing on Clubhouse and I got to hear bits and pieces of your story, which I think are so impactful. Um, and again, that connectivity piece. So I'll share a bit about um, how I'm connected to Mexico. But after you have an opportunity to share about your your migration here at the age of 10 and how that's affected everything that you've done thus far in life. And I know there's more to come. Oh, absolutely. You know, as, as, as you mentioned, you, uh, I migrated to the United States at the age of 10 years old with 12 brothers and 12 brothers and sisters. I'm one of 13. I'm a middle child, father and mom. Uh, and there was 15 of us. We moved into a two bedroom, one bath frame home, less than 900 square feet. And, you know, I often say that we were so poor, I couldn't afford a dream. Uh, but, but, you know, in, 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 in the midst of all of that, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of resourcefulness. Uh, there was tremendous amount of faith in the midst of all that dysfunction. Uh, I did come from a very, very dysfunctional background. There was a lot of sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, poverty, and a lot of things that go with, with, with coming in from a, from a disadvantaged background, you know, uh, a lot of poverty. You know, my father had a third grade education. Mother had a sixth grade education. So there were, and they got, mother was 15 and father was either 17 or 18 years old when they got married. So there were children raising children, okay? And they basically had a child every year. You know, there was 13 children for, uh, you know, an expand of their marriage. God and, bless your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you, you know, today I have a tremendous appreciation for their efforts and for everything that they did. You know, what, at some point in my life, I was not so kind. I couldn't, you know, as, as I went through life growing up and I was trying to understand the dynamics of the household, you know, and trying to put in my head, you know, why would they have 13 children? Why couldn't they just have me, you know? <laughs> so, so you know, when you try to understand all those dynamics today, you, you know, I'm extremely grateful for the efforts that my parents put forward to raise all 13 of us. You know, the reality is that they could only give us what they had, what they knew, okay? It is my responsibility moving forward to make sure what I make of my life. You know, they brought me into this world, and they gave me an opportunity to, to be able to live in one of the greatest countries in the world. Even though I come from a country that has a lot of, a lot of richness and, 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 and a lot of fun and a lot of fiesta and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, flo uh, you know, folksy stuff, right? But the reality is that the opportunities that my parents provided for us being in America completely changed uh, my life and the life of many of my siblings. But more importantly, it's given me an opportunity to become a better person, to be a better person, and to look at how can I go back into the communities that I came from, the communities that, 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 uh, uh, that, that raised me very early on. How can I serve? How can I make a difference? How can I make sure that there's not any other 10-year-olds, immigrant boys that go through the same hardships that I did? And, uh, and that's basically where I'm at today. Yeah, I think it's so powerful. I think a lot of people forget in that experience and they're trying to just remove themselves from it so much that they don't have the, the time that's invested from the mental health perspective or the therapy perspective to go back and actually have that sense of appreciation because there's so much trauma. And I love that you've made it through to the other side of that. But not only are you trying to just move on past it, you're actually reaching your hand back and saying, how can I help others out of it? That's true philanthropy. Well, yes, but but it, it's not always been that way. Oh, okay. sure. I, uh, sure. You, you know, I think very early on what I wanted to do, I wanted to 
from where I came from. You know, when I looked, when I look at the dynamics of our household, you know, third child children, two bedroom, one bath home, sixth grade education, third grade education, poverty everywhere I, I, I came up. What I wanted to do was get out of there. Right. And, and I think that was that was my first reaction was to es- to escape my reality and, and to follow the money, to chase the money. You know, because I thought that if I only had, you know, the, uh, the richness, the success, I would be able to not feel the way that I felt as a young boy. The reality is everywhere I went, there I was. You know, I had not addressed a lot of those issues and I wanted to numb them with alcohol. I wanted to numb them with women. I wanted to numb them with more toys, more cars, more suits, more shoes, more ties, more, more, more. I was a more whore. The reality is that I had such a big hole in the center of my soul that there was nothing that was going to fill it. Until I went back and I actually addressed some of those issues, I was able to go back and stop taking the little boy, the 10-year-old little uh, 10-year-old immigrant boy into the boardroom, into the marriage, into the relationship, into the partnership, and sabotaging everything. I needed to go back, hug him, tell me it was okay, he was safe now, and he could go. Okay? Mm-hmm. That was the moment that I set myself, myself free. Myself free to be able to look at the world with a completely different perspective, to have a tremendous appreciation for what my parents did for me, regardless of where they came from and how they did it. And to also and to also realize that now I have a responsibility not only to create a legacy for myself, for my parents, for my children, and for my children's children. How old were you? Do you mind me asking when you had that revelation or that like final need to, to go back and do the hard thing? Because I feel like I did the the whole coping mechanism, suppression mechanism, even the things that were societally normal. It was okay to drink. It was okay to have sex. It was okay to do these things up until a certain point. And then you realize, wait, this is actually not just affecting me. This is affecting everyone around me. What was that moment like for you? Well, you know what we call the bottom, right? What we call the bottom (laughs) in recovery. I had had a lot of bottoms, okay? You know, I think I, I knew that I had a problem with alcohol. And the first time that I was addressed, my son was six months old, okay? And it was one of those, I did it again. You know, I did it again. I went to the party. I drank too much. I was inappropriate with my neighbor. You know, I did the things, you know, I became promiscuous. I did all the things that that I would normally not do as a human being. But whenever I let my guard down with alcohol or whatever, that part of me that was not such a nice person would come out. And that was the very first time that I stopped drinking, you know, after one of those, if you don't do it, Peter, I'm going to get a divorce. You know, I had I had reached the pinnacle of success. So I thought, you know, the house, the wife, you know, the children, the business uh, involved politically, involved socially. You know, I was a, a great member of my community, everything. You know, I had checked all the marks. OK, but I was still broken. You know, the reality uh, you know, the reality is that I thought that there was something wrong with me, not that there was something wrong. Okay. And after I had this particular incident that, um, that I was inappropriate at a party and my wife at the time gave me an ultimatum to either, you know, shape up or ship up. You know, I, I looked at my life and I said, wow, my son is six, six months old. I'm basically repeating the same cycle of dysfunction that I come from. You know, it may look different. I may be living in a 14,000 square foot home. I may be driving a Jaguar and, and not an old beat up station wagon. You know, I, I may not have two children, but, you know, this function is this function is this function is this function. It doesn't matter how you dress it up. Right. So, you know, when I looked at my life, the first thing for me to do was was you know, talk to my therapist. 
my, my therapist at the time, and this was 22 years ago, to be exact. Okay, so I was in my I was in my late 30s. My therapist at the time told me, he says, Peter, you have one of the most acute um, uh, alcohol issues that I've seen in a long time. You know, you're trying to run away from something that you're not going to be able to address unless you face an alcohol issue. And and uh, he said, unfortunately, you know, there's not a cure that we know about for alcoholism, but there is a solution. The solution is a 12-step meeting, Alcoholics Anonymous. I went to my very first meeting, and that was in, in, in 2000, uh, November November 1st of 2000, okay? And, uh, you know, it, it was a devastating moment for me, you know, because I it, it's really funny. I was, a, I was embarrassed to see who I was going to see in that room that was going to see me, but I was, but I was not embarrassed of making an ass out of myself as an alcoholic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I walked into the room, and what I realized that there was a lot of familiar faces, and and I actually heard my story. That was the beginning of my process of recovery, and uh, I've been sober ever since. However, I didn't work the twelve step program uh, uh, for a long time. You know, I, I I worked the program for about two years, then I moved from San Antonio, Texas, to a call an area called the Woodlands, just north of Houston. You know, kind of liver to beaver community, you know, jogging trails, lots of parks, you know, uh, lots of trophy wives, lots of executives. And and, 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 it, and and I got sucked in right right into the environment again. OK, what I realized at that particular moment was that I didn't need alcohol to get drunk. I could get drunk on lying, cheating, controlling, manipulating, womanizing. OK, I had not uh, I had not addressed the the, 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 the root issue of my disease. Okay, and that was that I had not healed the broken little boy. You know, I was still caring with him. He was looking for validation. He was looking for 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 look at me without looking at me, right? And uh, you know, unfortunately, in two thousand and eight, uh, after fourteen years of marriage, first of all, my mother passes away. My wife asking for a DC, for a divorce. I'm in the middle of one of the worst. We're in the middle of one of the worst economic crises. Uh, that we that we had gone through in, in, in our generation, uh-huh. 2008 economic yeah. crisis. Uh, my father passes away six months later. I'm losing businesses. Uh, at my, you know, and I find myself becoming a single parent. You know, and seeing my happy, healthy six-year-old little boy broken, gaining weight, uh, with no self-esteem, uh, seclusing his room, gaming and eating. And that was all he was doing. And what I realized was that I was committing the same type of abuse that my parents had done to me, you know, and just in a different way. I basically married my son and I looked at his life and what his life was looking like. And I realized that it was not, it wasn't just what I was doing, that I needed to be a better father, that I needed to be a better neighbor, that I, be, I needed to be a better man, a better brother, a better husband, a better friend, a better member of my community. And I literally went back into the 12-step program. I started working the 12-step program. You know, I realized that sobriety stops the drinking, okay? Recovery, recovery is, is where you really are able to dig deep into, in, into, in, into being able to, to take care of the soul, mind, body, and spirit. It's a transformation of your soul, mind, body, and spirit. But, but, but there's something more that has to be done, and that something has to come from you. You know, there's not a 12-step program or a recovery program or an A meeting that is going to give you all the 
all the solutions, the the personal growing, the personal uh, growing, the personal development, the emotional development has to come from you. Okay, and I started diving in really, really, really deep into what is it that I'm doing or not doing that I need to do to be a better person. I literally got into the computer and Google, how do I become a better man? And what popped up for the very first time was my introduction to personal development was a, a platform called Mind Valley. I don't know if you're familiar with Mind Valley and, and Christina Lechiani. Yeah. And they had people on their platform like Jim Quick, like Michael Beckwith, like Lisa yeah. Nichols, like many incredible thought leaders that today are my friends that have been on my podcast. And uh, and I started learning from them and I started learning things that I had not heard about before. You know, I started hearing about compassion. You know, you know, for a long time I thought that the solution was for me to chase the money. And if I've chased the money and accomplished the money. I accomplished everything that I wanted, but I had accomplished all of that and I still felt broken. You know, I still felt broken. And when I started doing the work, doing the serious work, you know, the prayer, the meditation, the, 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 the uh, well, taking different personal development courses, you know, the, the exercising, the, the being a member of my community, really from, from a completely different perspective, my life changed. My life completely changed. It's so wild to me, like the the moments in time where things kind of align. I was just actually on a call with Ajit, who was one of the founders of Mind Valley at a mastermind this past weekend. I didn't know anything about it. Um, I know all of the personal development junkies that you could possibly imagine because I love that industry so much. But I think what's really interesting about it is that oftentimes things like sobriety, things like AA, uh, they, they feel like a tool or an agent that creates um, a stigma, right? Like there's a stigma if you're going to AA. You were already feeling this sense of like, what are people going to think of me when you went into this? But when you go into personal development, people are like glorifying the fact that, oh, wow, you're doing this this awesome work. And I wish that there was like a component of synergy in those two spaces because I really value the connectivity of both. Absolutely. And that is exactly what was missing for me in the in the 12 step program, in the AA program, was that at some point I found myself in a meeting room hearing the same stories over and over, but not seeing a lot of growth and a lot of evolution within the same group. And what I also realized is that many of those stories were not being shared outside the rooms, hence the fact that they're anonymous. Right. So, you know, there were dying within the rooms. And I thought to myself, wow, this is very interesting. If we are. If we are supposed to, you know, one of the steps is to take the message to other alcoholics that still suffer or take the message out to other people that still suffer. Well, there's a lot of people that suffer and it's not necessarily about alcohol or drugs or addiction. Okay, there's mental health issues. There's people that suffer just because they're alone. There's people that suffer just because, you know, they they, they don't have a social circle. There's people that suffer because they're poverty. You know, there's a lot of issues. And I thought, you know. Uh, there's a lot that is not being spoken about. There's a lot of things that are not being said. And I started my podcast as a result of that. And, and, and But it was it was part of my journey. When I was when I actually felt the sense of freedom that I could talk about my issues, that I could say, yeah, this happened to me, but that's not who I am. OK, this is you know, this is where I was born and this is where I come from. But that does not define the person that I want to become. I allow it to define me for a very long time because I did not know how to behave outside that circle. The reality is that I was an imposter where I was. I no longer belong there, but I did not know how to accept my newfound success. I did not know how to accept 
the love and the compassion and how well, how well I was being welcomed in society, you know, because I was not accustomed to that type of treatment. It was not until I did the work that, 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 that cleared my head, that gave me, you know, that, that gave me the vision to be able to accept that, 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 that uh, as long as I take care of myself, I'm able to take care of others. And if I'm tending to what I call my five pillars, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the financial on a daily basis, then I'm, then I'm operating from a single state of consciousness. I am here and in the present. I'm not time traveling and I'm able to see what the world is all about. I don't have to imagine things. I don't have to think about things. I'm clear. I have the clarity to make the choices that are going to lead me to live the life of well-being, to be of service to myself, to my community and to others. So incredibly powerful. And I I feel like that alignment piece, right? I talk about vertical alignment first before horizontal alignment and coming into the understanding that like once we get that mind, body, soul connectivity, that sense of self-love because of the love of the father, our creator, whoever that God is to you, then you're able to then pour out with an, uh, an effervescent and energetic flow because you're now just a conduit versus feeling like the world owes you something absolutely. or you need to take something from the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, that was, that was part of my challenge very early on. I felt unjust. I felt like a victim. Okay. Instead of, and I needed to become the victor in order to be able to, to receive and to be able to, 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 to give back instead of taking, you know, for a very long time, I felt like I got to take, I got to take because I lived in such a state of scarcity. I lived in such a state of, uh, of, 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 uh, of poverty, you know, when you live in a state of survival, okay, you don't have time to appreciate anything. You have to exit that state. You have to become present and available to know what the world is really all about and what's available for you. Yeah. And I think there's a component too, and I'd love to hear your processing of shame in the, in the regards of of the way or the actions by which you chose to live, right? There's a component where our childhood, it's not our choice. Like we're often in those situations based on um, just situational. And then eventually it becomes our choice to live in that space, which then becomes shame. Um, And I feel like shame is one of the root causes that people are able to stand in the truest identity of themselves or be able to love themselves. What is your uh, processing been with shame? Well, you know, I come from a, from, from, from a sexual abuse home, right? You know, I was sexually abused with my older brother. My father abused many of my sisters. It was not a pretty situation. But the reality is that that I think all of us in a circumstance like that go through a different process. You go from, from being the predator to being the victim to becoming the participant, okay, to becoming the survivor. But you want to become the advocate. You want to be able to talk about the issues. You want to be able to bring them to the forefront because once you bring them to the forefront, it loses the power that it has over you. You know, for a long time, part of the issue that drove me to drinking, that drove me to shame, that drove me to feel like an inspector, to fear, to securities, is that I felt dirty. I felt that everybody knew what had happened to me as a young child everywhere I went. The reality is that no one knew no one knew. And, and, and once I share my story, the people that, that, that listen to my story, hear my story, either sympathize with my story or, there's, or they share their story. I gave them the power to share the things that they have been holding back that was also causing them to feel the same way that I felt, just in maybe a different circumstance. But 
you know, it's, it's been a process. It's, it's, it's bringing a long, long, long journey. I didn't start doing this work until the last 12 years, but I can tell you that is the best thing that I've ever done. And probably, probably some of the, some of the very simple tools that we have available to us, you know, the prayer, the meditation, the journaling, journaling is so powerful for me to be able to get the things out of my head, put it into paper, allow them to, to, to lose the power. Instead of, instead of circling around my head, you know, I remove them. They're out of there. They're gone. Okay. I empty myself to be able to receive this positive energy instead of being stuck in this negative energy cycle. Yeah. And I think too, when you get it out of your head, it then has the power for somebody else to dissect. Is this true or is this a lie? Absolutely. Right. And so it's almost like a really healthy activity to just deposit, whether you're writing the lie or not, as it almost comes out of your fingertips, you're recognizing, I would never say this about somebody else. This, there's no truth in this statement whatsoever, but it's what I am currently cycling through my head, which then puts me into a corner, which in the only way out is we feel like the way out is just like as we were when we were a 10 year old child, which is to choose things that are not fully in health, but are in survival. And I feel like the society as a whole, and you, you can partner with me in this perspective is when you come into these revelations, when you come into this truth of your identity and the wholeness ability of your identity with hard work, you're able to then look at, with an empathetic lens to everything that's happening in society. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember sharing when I was first sexually abused publicly and I'm really having a fear around what will this, what will people who know me think? What will my parents say? What will all of these things? And it ultimately came back and instead of cycling through their perspectives, what will this do for me? And what will this do for the person who is standing in the same shackles? How can it help un, um, free them into a space of, of living the life of wholeness and identity that has nothing to do with that victim mentality? Absolutely. I think that the moment that you disconnect yourself from, from, from the victim mentality and, and, and when you start thinking, of how is my story going to help someone else? You take yourself out of the equation. You take yourself out of the selfishness. Okay. And I think a lot of times as, as, as a victim, because we have not known how to cope with this, uh, we we are in a state of selfishness, right? So, so we worry about how we feel. But when you let go of that, when you're able to let go and, and say, how is my story going to impact somebody else? How am I going to change lives? How am I going to make sure that I break the cycle? You know, in my case, when I saw my son going through a different type of suffering, okay, he may have not been sexual abuse or emotional abuse, but I was still abusing him to a certain degree by creating an environment that he was not equipped to handle, right? And as a parent, I have the responsibility to provide the safest uh, and best possible uh, environment for him, okay? So I needed to become more active. I needed to become more aware of his needs and his feelings and his emotions. I needed, I, I, I needed to stop raising him like I was raised, okay? And I needed to come down to his level. And to address his needs, okay, instead of me trying to address my needs and, 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 and wonder how are my needs, why, you know, I, you know, in the case of my parents, my parents felt, you know, just that's just the generation that they suffer. So it was okay for me to suffer to a certain degree because they, you know, they walk, you know, 20 miles uh, each way uphill, right, both ways, right? Of course, so, of course. So, you know, they felt that, that. That gave me a certain, that gave them a certain entitlement to make sure that I suffered to a certain degree, that it was okay. Okay. 
Well, that's not the reality. The reality is that as parents, we have responsibility of creating the best environment possible for our children, regardless of what our financial circumstances are. But we also have we have, also have to, to extend that into society. We have a responsibility to be the best citizens possible and to provide the best environment possible for others. And when we do that and we disconnect that of ourselves, we become better people and our life gets better. Yeah. And, I, you know, sexual abuse specifically and understanding this from a philanthropic lens, even in sobriety or alcoholism, also something that I, I handle and have seen generational bondage that that's happened. So sure. we've chosen to you know have a, a sober home for our family with that intent that we don't want that to be our cycle because we know it's possible. Right. right. Um, I think of the sexual abuse uh, one in four and that 80 plus percent of that one in four who have been abused. It happens with somebody that they know, like and trust. And right. so there's all of these pieces to the puzzle that are so broken and that empathy that is equipping us to then serve other people really does allow us to stand outside of self and stand in a place of true service. I see you, sister. The dream is spinning in your soul, calling you forward and yet the works are taking a toll. Summoned into purpose to reap what he promised. What you desire is noble and honest. Co-laborers needed to level up your fields. Plow, plant, water, harvest to yield. Your vision and growth will manifest Lay your spirit to rest with all you invest. A fresh season upon you, waiting to flourish, requiring your faith and works to nourish. Are you ready to reap your harvest? I'm curious with your... Um, ethnic background and being a, from Mexico, I married into the Mexican familia. And I'm so grateful for the heritage that's cultivated in that space. And every time I go to Mexico, and I see my grandparents and family that live there, and see the, the variation between how we live here in America and how they live there. Does it give you a heart to like serve your ethnic group or serve back there in another country? Or where's your philanthropic lens really fall? Well, you, you know, my, 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 my commitment is to serve humanity, right? Uh, but I realize that the many of the issues I suffer permeate in my community. They permeate in, 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 in disadvantaged communities. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, okay? They're more common in poor Latino and African-American communities, okay? Just by the, the sense of the dysfunction. You know, I think, I, I think there's a sick sense of comfort in, in, in what I call dysfunctional love, okay? There's, there, you know, it's, 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 it's almost like you overlook how sick and sexuous it is, but it's dysfunctional love. It's still love, okay? I, I don't want that kind of love. I want healthy kind of love. I want unconditional love. And so, so to go right back to your question, I see that that permeates more in my community. Uh, I've seen it that it has gone on through generations. My heart and my passion is to be able to educate children. They have less opportunity 
uh, and, and are more prone to become victims of those types of environments because uh, it, perme it permeates in, in lack of education, it permeates in, in, in disadvantaged communities, it permeates in poverty, okay? When people have a good social uh, background, when they come from a decent economic environment, from they, when they come from a, 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 an, a an educated environment, this issues lessen because you talk about them. You know, I taught my son very early on that there was an important education. There was a incredible importance in communication and there was an impre incredible importance in lack of secrecy. There is no secrets. And I told him very early on, you know, because when we do not pay attention to our children at a very young age, we uh, are creating uh, an environment where they are going to seek to trust someone else other than their parents. And if you create a safe environment at home and you don't permeate secrecy, you don't permeate dysfunction, okay, distance, uh, you know, this type of sexual abuse, uh, drug use, uh, alcoholism, all of these things decline, okay? The reality is the most people that fall into addiction, depression, alcoholism, sexual abuse is because they're looking for some type of attention, Okay. Unfortunately, there's always a perpetrator on the other side that is looking to give the wrong kind of attention, okay? But when you have an open line of communication uh, with your children, you listen to those possibilities. And, 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 you know, my heart is to be able to be a greater service to anyone and everyone. But I have a deep compassion for my community because that's where I came from. And that's where I continue to see uh, I still have siblings, brothers and sisters that think like my parents did, that operate in the same function and mentalities that my parents did. They still stayed in that cycle of dysfunction. And I know I can't change everybody, okay? But I know that if if, if our message gets across and we impact a generation, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a domino effect that is going to multiply and affect many other generations moving forward. Yeah, this is so powerful. And it's interesting because there's people in all different genres, backgrounds, even um, different age sectors and generations that I know are on the same pursuit. For instance, I have a gal locally who actually just passed that her legacy is living on through her nonprofit. And the nonprofit is called Stop Abuse Foundation. And the intent is to go into schools and infiltrate the space with a life-size puppeteering experience that teaches children how to say no and how to understand that their body is their body and it's not meant for other people. And they've partnered with local police precincts in order to stand kind of on call that at the end of these uh, presentations, kids are welcome to come up and share with a trusted wow. adult. Wow. And so they've actually put hundreds of people behind bars in our local community with this initiative. And the intent is to bring it to the nations to be able to allow children to have a voice because that's ultimately what is stripped from kids is their voice because of that sense of secrecy and that sense of guilt or shame, or even sometimes it's, it's done in a space of trust because they do know and like them. Absolutely. They want to honor the request of that person that they love, having no idea that it's actually causing, you know, innate trauma that can last like it did for you and myself decades to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just think it's powerful. So when you are, are actually putting initiatives to play, and I know you, you're a multifaceted entrepreneur, how do you actually show up in the world like today? What, what are the different initiatives that you're working on and how can we as a community help get behind those? 
Well, thank you so much. First and foremost, you know, obviously, uh, one of my biggest biggest platforms that I have right now is my my, my podcast, which has recently shifted from Coming Clean, which was uh, our main focus was addiction, recovery, and mental health. And we shifted to what I call bringing together thought leaders from across the world to be able to create a platform and a safe space to uh, to also give solution-based interviews, right? Uh, people need, uh, today it's about finances, about growing, about evolving, about personal development, about mental health. So there's a lot of topics that they need to, to be, to be uh, exposed to, right? Uh, we are multidimensional. So there's, there, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of different topics that we, that we bring uh, to the forefront through the podcast. But, but my most important initiative right now in where I believe that we are going to make an incredible impact and is, and is, is targeted towards the Latino community is our upcoming summit. Uh, is, it is the first ever uh, leadership and personal development global summit geared towards the Latin community. Now, this is to the English-speaking Latin community in America. And I have partnered up with, with, with Tim Story, who you know from Clubhouse, and Selena Bilasam, and we are having the first event on January 15th. And that event, uh, we anticipate anywhere between 150 to 200,000 people from across the world. We're doing this event at the Worry Studios. This is the very, very first time that a, a, a leadership and personal development global summit in English for, this, for the Latin community has, has ever been done. Why is that important? And why am I doing it at the Worry Studios? The Worry, the Worry Studios is, is, a, is an incredible facility. I'm sure you, you're, you're familiar with it. It's 360 degrees, floor-to-ceiling LED walls. You can have a, a two-way communication with your audience. It's live online, okay? So, But it's just like they're there with you in the room. And, and we want to be, be able to make it accessible to every income graphic and every demographic possible out there in the community that has never been exposed to personal development. The reality is that you know, personal development has, has, has gone mainstream, right? It has, it has it's become digitized, democratized, and demonetized. So it's available to a lot of people, but there's still a tremendous disconnect between, there's a cultural disconnect. You know, I can, I can listen to Tony Robbins, I, I, which I've been to many of his courses and many of his seminars. I can listen to Brian Tracy. I can listen to John Maxwell. I can listen to John Asaroff and many of the incredible thought leaders that have paved the way in personal development, but there's still cultural disconnect. There's still certain isms that they don't understand. You know, it's not, not, not anything different than, than, than an African-American, than you and I trying to understand the Afrocom, right? We're just not going to understand it because it's not something that is not yeah. part of an ethnicity. And it is the same thing in the Latin community. There are certain things, jokes, isms, uh, sayings, uh, custom beliefs, religious beliefs, that don't translate when you when you are trying to teach somebody to speak uh, to 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 understand something. You know, I have I I been in the personal development space as a student for the past twelve years, and I have yet to hear somebody that sounds like me, speaks like me, looks like me, or has the color of my skin. Now, this is not about diversity. Don't get me wrong. This is about being able to understand the culture and being able to deliver the message that penetrates the culture and it makes a difference. And if I can compare it to anything, I can compare it to what Tyler Perry or Oprah have done to the African-American uh, African American communities. They have been able to showcase the issues that have impacted their, their communities. And by exposing a lot of those problems, 
in a positive way, either through comedy or education, they have been able to move those generations forward hundreds of years, okay? Uh, much, much further advanced. The African-American community is much further advanced in education, in wealth, and, and in personal development than the Latino community, okay? And, and it is only because they had had incredible leaders that took a leadership role and they decided that it was time to make an impact in their communities. Well, I decided it's time to make an impact in my community. Tim's story decided it's time to make an impact in the community. And Selena has done the same. So together, we, we are creating this, this incredible global summit that, uh, that feel that is going to be able to uh, identify, educate, transform, and empower personal development leaders that can then go back into the community. And our goal is to be able to impact 100 million people by December 31st, 2028. I know what the issues are. I know what the problems are, but more importantly, we know what the solution is. And the solution is personal development education and bring it to the forefront and democratize it, demonetize it, digitize it, and make it available to all. It's so incredible. And I feel like it's a component, and I've seen this time and time again. When someone has an unlock in the personal development space, it often leads to like a self-awareness of purpose. And they're like, wow, I can actually stand in purpose, on purpose, with purpose, because I have a sense of authority. I have a sense of confidence. I have a sense of awareness of the, the communal connection to our greater good. And then after purpose is where I love to come in is this connectivity to entrepreneurship. And I think that's really where my heart has been drawn to um, the Latino community is this knowing that I see these incredibly talented creatives, incredibly talented artists, and they're, they have such an incredible work ethic outside of any work ethic of an American I've ever seen. I mean, my grandpa literally sweeps his entire house every yeah. single morning. Yeah. Like, yeah. Grandpa, you just did that yesterday. He's like, oh, this is my daily chore. You know, this is what I do. Yeah. Uh, okay. But their work ethic is absolutely top notch. And I think that if we can parallel self-development, connect it to their purpose, and then bring in the tools for entrepreneurship, it would literally change the globe in so many ways. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because the education component has to come first. Okay. Instead of the, instead of the, the, the entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship component. Okay. If you, you know, it's not different than me. I'm, I'm my greatest example. Okay. My story is not unique. My story is a story of many. I just happen to talk about it. Okay. And bringing it to the forefront has allowed me to experience more stories that resonate. I'm very similar to mine, but here I was a, 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 a young immigrant boy that wanted to run out of poverty and figure out because of the resourcefulness that I saw in my community, how to work hard and make a lot of money. Okay. But I still went on and carry a baggage of problems into adulthood and I, that, that I could have saved myself a lot of headaches and I could have pained less people had I known how to address those issues. Okay. So uh, if I was to say, teach a seminar on how to make, uh, uh, you know, how to how, teach you how to make millions of dollars, I would probably have more people sign up for it. But the reality is that, you know, in most cases, we don't have business problems. We have personal problems that we bring into the business. Okay. And if, we are, <laughs> and if we are able, and if we are able to address our personal issues and show up whole and complete, 
then we can complete and hold a whole bunch of different things. Come on, it's so good and it's so true. And both of our stories parallel to that revelation because you can have all the money, you can have all the fame, you can have all the things. And when you're still living void and broken, you cannot serve from a place of gratitude. You can't even love yourself in the experience that you're having because you're not even present with the experience. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, so I have like a methodology whenever I'm I'm coaching and people come in because they think they're going to take their business idea and they're going to cultivate it into the business stream and make the millions. And so often I come in and they are like, kind of like, because I'm like, we're actually going to do a bit of personal development first. Like, let's figure out how's your head, how's your heart, how's Absolutely. your health. They get the therapy, they get the life coaching before they ever get the business coaching. Because if their identity is not intact, they're going to serve out of that place of brokenness. And that's where we are, honestly, in the world today, and why there are so many, you know, spiraled experiences and and broken systems. Because it's just a bunch of broken people breaking people, and we have an opportunity to do it another way. Well, and I was one of those broken people, breaking people for a long time. Yeah. And I think you standing up in that ownership and understanding through this personal development lens, maybe there's a bunch of different hooks and ways that you can market to like come in and understand how to make millions effectively. Right. And realize it's actually all about personal development. So when I have entrepreneurship events and Tim is actually speaking at one of my my conferences next year, it's a faith and business conference. And I've had a lot of people question like, how, why would you even put the faith piece in? Why don't you just like have a church experience and then have an entrepreneurship experience? And I'm like, because you have to bring that wholeness together for it to actually effectively work because good money in the wrong hands can do a lot of bad things, but good money in good hands can do incredible things and change. the world. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. You could not have said it better. And we've seen that over and over and over and over. You know, fortunately, uh, we have people like Grant Cardone and a lot of incredible business leaders today that are doing incredible things. But a lot of it is if you look at their components, if you look at their values and their principles, there's an emotional development component there and there's a personal development component there. And when you marry the three of them, entrepreneurship, emotional development, uh, uh, personal, personal development, and of course, faith. Okay, uh, and, and religion, community, whatever spirituality, whatever you want to call it. Okay, it, you have an incredible recipe for incredible success and happiness and a peace of mind. Yeah, it, it brings me back to Tim's like miracle mentality, right? Absolutely. Into that experience, I think it's so powerful. Peter, you have been an absolute joy. I am so grateful and indebted to your vulnerability, but more so what you're doing with that vulnerability and changing the world. I am excited from your, for your book, From Lies to Riches, to come out. Is that going to be out before the conference? or Actually, we released it at the conference. Woo-hoo! Look at you. Yes. How about I do the marketing side of things yes. really well? Yes. Really, yes. really amazing. I would love for, for my community to be there. I will surely be sharing with family and friends and my community here. And I want you guys to go listen to the Peter O. Estevez show. That's a top rated podcast. And be sure to connect with him on social media. He comes on Clubhouse sporadically. So be lucky and join him on the Peter Estevez show.com. Peter, is there any final words that you have for the fit and faith community? I, I, w- I want to thank you. And I want to thank your community for allowing me the space and the opportunity to share my story and my message. Thank you so much. Absolutely. We will see you in January at your conference. Thanks again. Thank you. 
Hey y'all, it's me again. I hope in today's episode you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamra.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grothuis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.